Welcome back to another Untitled Movie Review. I'm one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside the Tom Clancy fanatic, Eric Marchin. Matt, it's clobberin' time. Uh, today we are reviewing Stefano Solima's uh, Tom Clancy's Without Remorse. Or just Without Remorse. They decided to add that last minute. I gotta call it Tom Clancy's Without Remorse from the author of Rainbow Six. <laughs> It says, I wish that says was the, the full title. <laughs> well, that's what's on the poster. So, you know, that's what I'm going with. Uh, starring Michael B. Jordan, Jamie Bell, uh, Jody Turner-Smith, uh, Luke Mitchell, Jack Kesey, uh, Brett Gelman, Coleman Domingo, Guy Pierce, and my boy, Cam Gigante, <laughs> making a return. <laughs> and what a meaty um, role that is. I mean, it's great to see him throughout the film, isn't it, Matt? <laughs> yeah. Um, it's uh, being distributed by Amazon. Previously, it was at Paramount Pictures, sold to Amazon uh, uh, during COVID. Which kind of um, makes sense, actually, because they also have the Jack, Jack Ryan, Ryan series. Which is, this is technically in the same universe, right? But not officially because they bought it afterwards but now they could potentially put it in the same universe because in the books it's in the same universe as jack ryan right yeah all the tom clancy books in the same universe i don't know yeah well most of them are at least at at least with both uh john clark who this is you know john clark before he is known as john clark he's known only as john kelly um and sort of his character popping up in the jack ryan series and in the jack ryan series uh whether it be um, you know, Willem Dafoe playing him in uh, Clear and Present Danger um, against Harrison Ford. He's usually kind of played as almost like the anti-hero version of Jack Ryan, the one right. that is willing to kind of to do the dirty work, and bend like, the yeah. rules yeah. to sort of uh, keep law and order where Jack Ryan kind of plays within sort of the boundaries of legality. Um, and that's kind of what I always liked about that character. Um it's also fascinating with this as well because I read Without Remorse the book um, back in high school um, because I was a big uh, Hunt for the Red October fan. Like I was obsessed with that movie. Um, and, so you and, got and, it. You got deep into the Clancy verse. I did. I did for a while. And and like I mean, they're all very much the same. But also the yeah. other thing with with Without Remorse, the big selling point of that book for me. Um, was that it was always talked about as being an extremely violent uh, piece of of pulp writing. Like it was the Tom Clancy book that, you know, went too far, um, that was was edgy and dark and was different from all the other stuff that he did. You know, there's a, a decompressed chamber sequence that's not in this movie, but that's in the book um, that is very much uh, quite graphic and disturbing in, in its detail and i guess you know the closest comparison i could say although it's it's a little bit goofier is there's a scene that's similar in um the timothy uh dalton bond movie license to kill where you see a head explode in a decompression chamber um but also also in is it kick-ass but it's like a microwave chamber right reminded me of that too um but you know before we go into the movie what i will say is that this adaptation is quite different from the book um if there is a couple of positive things I can say about this movie, they did find a way Taylor Sheridan who uh, co-wrote the script with Will. I Staples. like him a lot, but yeah, I do too, but we'll get into some sort of, of his kind of, you know, interests or fetishes or, or isms <laughs> yeah. that he has, but yeah. he was able to streamline the book because the book 
is so convoluted. Like you read the book and what's supposed to be kind of a simple revenge story gets bogged down, not only in the bureaucratic nature of the politics of the time, the CIA, because in the book it takes place after or during uh, um, Vietnam. Um, It takes place in 1970. And there's this whole section of the book where he falls in love with a uh, drug mule that kind of he partners up with and sort of helps her get revenge on the people that kind of are human trafficking her and her character's name is Pamela. Uh, And in in this movie, they changed uh, the the wife or they named the wife Pam. Um, So yeah, this is, this is more of a contemporary story with Michael B. Jordan playing the role of John Kelly, um, who is a Navy SEALs and works as a special ops and, and sort of this one mission that they kind of kick the movie off with in Aleppo, Syria, um, smells fishy to begin with and becomes more evident that, you know, they've been lied to, uh, during the briefing by, uh, uh, Jamie Bell's deceitful uh, CIA uh, agent who they want to extract uh, an operative, an American operative out of um, a high stake situation. And this is the other thing that this movie drives me nuts with is, is it's, it's constant chess comparisons when like, it keeps talking about like pawns Pawn and kings. King but even at the yeah. beginning, like after the event, like when they go back to, you know, him at home and, you know, he's, he's looking at the kids playing a game of chess and he moves the one chess piece. And it's like, war is chess, baby. War is I, I know, chess. I know. It's just, it's just, it's like, okay, we get the metaphor. We get it. It's like, you, you don't, don't have, have to beat us over, over the, the head, head with it. With it yeah. But essentially, so John Kelly is the best at what he does, but he also sort of cut you off. Yeah. But in dad movies like this, I feel like they have to do things like that. Right, right, right. And Tom yeah. Clancy in general, always everybody has to have a barbecue dad. or a party yeah. before everything goes wrong. It's like, look at what this guy has. And like the other cliche that is a part of the book, but also kind of falls into this is like the the lead character is like always kind of contemplating retirement. Um yeah. and it's weird. To have someone like Michael B. Jordan, who's pretty young, young looking, but I mean, <laughs> yeah. I guess you could say like, well, he's been in the army since he was in his eighteen know, or whatever, teens, right? Yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, so he plays John Kelly, who after this kind of suspicious uh, hostage extraction goes a little bit awry, uh, returns home to American soil, and a few months later, uh, he is ambushed at home. Um, and his wife and unborn child are brutally murdered um, by a uh, force of Russians, and he goes off the deep end in wanting everyone to- Everyone on his team was assassinated. Not everyone, though. Well, no, not, not everyone, everyone but a few- well, most- most of them. Yes, yes. I mean, most importantly, spoiler alert. Cam Gigante. <laughs> <laughs> I just love saying his stupid name. No, well, he's offense, also, he, to, like, no offense to him. I mean, he's a terrible actor. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. he, like, I remember there was after God, Twilight. I saw Never Back Down in theaters, and I'll never, <laughs> I'll never let that down. <laughs> I remember. So. I remember I had a buddy in college that loved that movie, or, or he also loved um, – uh, fighting with Channing Tatum and would always get pumped up yeah. with those kind of movies. And I remember there was one time he was driving in his car and he just literally shouted out the window, never back down. Yo, no, it used to be a joke with me and my friends too, because we saw it and we I remember laughing at that movie because it was so awful. But there was a moment and- there after Twilight where they were trying to make everybody in the Twilight series a movie star, right? And that was the same thing even with him where they put him in a couple of things that really didn't work. Like even in 
you know, something like Easy A, which is obviously Emma Stone's movie, but like, you know, giving him a supporting role that was kind of bigger than what he needed to be. And then like, I think it was like Big Johnson, like that weird movie where like his (laughs) dick talks to him is the film that kind of where it all fell apart. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's where it all fell apart. I don't know. Like, I think his whole career was. I just, it's so funny when I saw him pop up in this and his name pop up because I was just like, oh my God, I haven't thought of cam gigante in a decade and i was so happy because it just i it took me back to those days of seeing never back down and just like laughing at that movie and making fun of cam gigante and how awful he was i didn't know he popped up in like the 2016 uh magnificent seven i forgot he was even in that but oh yeah he um, was one of the 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 villains and again has a really small role in that um it's it's probably for the best, but it is Anyways, interesting. We're focusing that, way too much on Cam Jagan. <laughs> but they do set him up though as kind of almost like the, the I mean, they make the joke that he's the smart ass of the or he makes the joke that he's the smart ass of the team, where you know Michael B. Jordan's the badass of the team. Um but yeah, like I mean, I also referenced, you know, it's clobbering time. This is a, a fantastic four sure. uh, reunion, reunion between Jamie what Bell everyone was and wanting. Michael yeah. B. Jordan, the Josh Trank version. Um, so anyways, things go horribly, horribly wrong. A uh, few of his team members are, are killed off unceremoniously and his, uh, wife and unborn child are also killed. And I kind of laughed at that scene as well, because you have this character who, <laughs> what a way to follow that up. I well, laughed no, at that. <laughs> I laughed at it because you introduce Michael B. Jordan as sort of like, you know, this tough as nails Navy SEALs guy who kind of always yeah. knows what's going on. But the one thing that got the drop on him was noise canceling headphones and pistachios right. yeah, <laughs> and him sitting yeah. in the dark. And it just feels like such a, like a really shitty screenplay maneuver to get him out of the room where like to be preoccupied, right? Like, yeah. oh, he's going to stay up and listen. She goes, don't listen to music all night again. Yeah. And like, he puts headphones on, on the couch and don't get me wrong. I've been in that exact situation where Nevis goes to bed early. I'm down in the den lying down there in my underwear. I got headphones on listening to something on TV. Well, even like, nobody has it, kind but... of a scene like that as well, where like, yeah. not that, you know, the, the home invasion. They had to give him a giant similar. house, which I don't know how on an army salary, how I guess he works for the CIA. So maybe the salary, good there but like because i'm with you of like really you're not going to notice some people breaking into your house your house is that big but i guess yeah well and also this movie weirdly like from that point until you know we get him going on the mission to russia to kind of avenge his his wife and unborn child um it almost kind of plays similar to the steven seagal movie hard to kill where (laughs) steven seagal plays this kind of like badass cop who comes home after a hard day's work uh and again like you know like a john wick kind of scenario where you don't really believe that like anybody could get the drop on this guy um his wife and kids are horribly slaughtered um and he shot up a bunch of times and goes into a a coma for seven years michael b jordan doesn't go into a coma for seven years but when he wakes up he becomes the john kelly john clark character that is somewhat more familiar in the books yeah um someone who is you know driven by revenge and anger and is doing is willing to do whatever it takes to satisfy that bloodlust meaning that he'll take you know um prison time when he goes after a russian delegate and sort of you know strategically 
places himself in prison, but also realizes like, you know, that his own life is on the line because the Russians can get to him in there. And then it becomes this weird sort of double crossing story where nobody can be trusted in the team that's recruited to go on this sort of covert op mission in Russia, uh, led by Jamie Bell, adds some additional sort of suspense where you think like, okay, is Jamie Bell's character behind this? Because he's kind of, you know, been that kind of uh character throughout that's kind of the 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 middleman, the guy that kind of you love to hate the corporate pencil pusher. Um, but then there's also another character that's introduced early on, played by a, a name actor that you're kind of like, okay, you know, this is the person that's actually going to be the villain. Like they wouldn't cast such a recognizable actor in this role. To if only you, have if you... like three scenes or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's just, it's a very much paint by numbers kind just of. remember Sammy Jenkins. Yeah. Uh, spy thriller. Um, yeah. That doesn't even really. Like it is violent, but it's not violent in that kind really, of graphic. Not as kind violent of way. as I thought it was going to be. Like when no. he's shooting people in the face and there's no blood splatter or anything, I'm like, is this movie PG thirteen? But I'm like, there are some, you know, darker moments where Well, John it's Bernthal not, wasn't in but, this. And I feel yeah. like if John Bernthal is in something that uh, Taylor Sheridan either wrote or directed, then that's where he takes something out something horrible is going to happen, and specifically to him, um, or even strangling. There's a lot of strangling in this, which is also very similar in um, Sicario. And speaking of Sicario, Stefano Salima uh, directed the sequel. Directed the sequel, and this is a very slick looking movie, but it's such like it's it's playing off kind of the video game style of you know splinter and cell and things like that, that and that's what i know tom clancy from the yeah, most it's right void like, of emotional investment and you never really are like i think michael b jordan is very good in the movie i think yeah he, like he, i i think he's uh, he's a movie star for sure yeah, yeah. and i think he he handles himself quite well in this it's just but the, the emotional movie, investment of like him getting that revenge and that payoff yeah. it doesn't it, you, you just don't care you're like okay no, and that's what emotion. i mean the movie is is a dad movie and a in a much different way than when I called like the Tom Hanks, you know, Apple Greyhound movie, a dad movie. That's probably the most recent flat out dad movie I remember talking about, but like Tom Clancy just screams dads to me. Oh yeah. um, And that's what I'm like, okay, yeah, this is exactly. And that's why it makes sense for Amazon. And um, I'm not shitting on Amazon. I mean, Eric and I won't shitting on dad movies. There are some dad dad movies movies that are good. Exactly. Like, and that's why I don't think this movie is very good, but I think for a dad movie for a dad who's randomly on Amazon, on prime and throws this on because they see tom clancy's without remorse and they go i read that book or i like whatever they throw this on and i think they'll probably be like oh that was mildly enjoyable for us like critiquing the movie we go okay yeah this is a very generic action revenge thriller with a with a solid movie star and it's just the action sequences are kind of by the book everything just feels a little by the book and not like literally which like is strange because you have book, a character but... that doesn't go by the book and like yeah. goes sort of outside the lines of morality to get what he wants but i almost and wish it was a bit nastier something. i yeah, know like... well even even the sequel to sicario is a nasty really yeah. well done like i i don't think it's as good as as the denny Villeneuve film but i think that the sequel to sicario day of the soldado uh, they should have called with <laughs> tom clancy's without remorse day of the soldado um but I think that movie actually does go pretty far and like maybe you can, you know, criticize it for being too extreme or almost going to parodies in terms of its length of, of trying to top the first movie. Right. But I, I agree with you. Like I, I wish that this was like 
that it doesn't weird have an Tom edge. Clancy movie yeah. that is kind of like brutal and nasty. And that's what I think it was supposed to be when Joaquin Phoenix was going to play the role uh, back in 2004 when they were trying to get it made. But again, like the script then was apparently too too violent and so like it just never got I, made I, yeah i just i i feel like with a movie like this you kind of need to go that route and i think that's they were they never and I, even bringing in someone like taylor sheridan because obviously he worked on uh, sicario as well and um right no, yeah thinking, yeah no yeah, yeah, no, yeah of course yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah um i because I, I kept thinking denny villeneuve but i'm like sheridan wrote those movies and then he spun off and started doing more of his own stuff too but um with like wind river and things like that and then then, but but even though he has this weird fetish of like he loves when like a character's motivation is sort of sort of rooted in horrible tragedy like that's the thing that kind of drives but he does have a nastiness to his scripts right and that's what i mean like yeah i mean his wife and unborn child being murdered yeah that's like pretty dark but from there yeah, the only dad um, that won't like this movie is john kelly and that's what I mean. He's not a dad. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Anymore. And, I, I just mean like it is that exact movie where my dad might text me in three months and go, I watched Without Remorse on Amazon, kind of liked it. And then I go, yeah, that makes sense. And like that's kind of like I can't fault the movie for that. But then also watching it, I'm like, all right, I like Michael B. Jordan. Um, I, I even at the beginning of the movie, I was like, okay, I can kind of get into, you know, I'm kind of in the mood for this, you know, revenge thriller. It's got a little bit of nastiness with like, you know, the wife and kid getting or uh, the pregnant wife getting killed. And I'm like, all right, let's see where this goes. And then it ends up just kind of pittering out into this very generic, uh, not bureaucratic, but like trying well, there to is bure- there's yeah, bureaucracy throughout but like. You know, trying and to that's the that stuff line. that bogs it down to the point where you talk about the book being considered kind of nasty and violent and like, but it's also mo- very convoluted. Like you think like the bureaucracy and sort of like In this, yeah, it's, it's so like there, there's so many subplots and again, they've updated it quite a bit because that took place in 1970 of course, and, and sort to, of, yeah. you know, this is about sort of Russia and the U S and, and sort of that kind of friction between the two rival nations where it was, the backdrop was, you know, 1970, the Vietnam. Vietnam War, um, sort of propaganda, and they kind of bring there. up the Cold War and and the relationship with Russia and the USSR and this and like that's kind of you know the framing device of what's going on, but like not really spoiling anything. But that's what the movie's about. It involves all these Russians and like um, I just. I, I don't know. I never bought into any of that or it did feel not maybe as convoluted as you're talking about, Eric, but it still felt kind of like, all right, that's really what's kind of going on here. Like, I don't really I even like that first sequence where he tails the guy to the airport and then just flat out, you know, murders him, f- murders him. And I'm like, OK, this is interesting. And then I feel like the movie never quite like matches that moment where he first kind of loses it, where he gets out of, you know, um, the hospital well, like and the he's prison just like scene too, where yeah. he's in solitary confinement and he's not sure if, you know, the Russians are going to be taking him out to kill him or that he's going to, you know, be extracted by the U S government. And so he kind of plans strategically what he is going to do in that scene. And it kind of is like, again, playing up on almost like an old boy kind of moment where, yeah. You know, it's going to be a brutal fight scene One that's sloppy. Yeah. yeah. But it doesn't, I, I like the 
thought process there. And I like that first moment, but then it, he just, I don't know. It just, it just gives it a reason for him to take yeah. off his shirt and show. Oh, sure, he looks fucking great. I'll give him that um, for sure. But then even the supporting cast, like I feel like is sort of wasted. Like you have Coleman Domingo only in like two scenes and um, Brett Gelman, who I, I like seeing him pop up and stuff. And, and his scene is kind of awkward and strange too. And um, you mentioned, you alluded to Guy Pierce uh, being in the film and, um, uh, I one thing like well, Jodie Turner Smith as well. Her yeah, character and I in the don't book don't like and, her in this. I think she's fine, but but the the problem with that and, and it's not her fault is that the character was rewritten quite a bit and is also yeah. a male character in 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 the book. So right. I, I can I can see them. I just found like, her delivery kind of um, stilted, stiff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree with that. But again, like that character, that character is interesting in the book in terms of like. She almost plays more, or in in the book, he uh, plays almost more of like a, a handler to John Kelly than anything else. Where this, it's almost like she is kind of now like a a moral compass, or sort of like sort of the person on his shoulder saying, like, you know, you and really I don't mind do that. This. Yeah, I don't. But it mind was different that, in the book. But... It was and and like it, it was almost like. John let like it was almost like in those Rambo movies where you had sort of uh John Karina like kind of come in and sort of say like oh John Rambo's this you know lethal killing machine and then he kind of like steps aside to let John Rambo do his thing and and that's also what you know without remorse was kind of mimicking a little bit was first blood um, right where this you know you don't have the context historically of you know vietnam and post-traumatic stress disorder in in that way and um again i I think michael b jordan's very good in the movie and what have you but the one thing that does work against him is that you're more sympathetic towards him even when he is sort of doing the wrong thing where i think when you look at someone like willem dafoe when willem dafoe is making choices that are ethically questionable you're kind of on the fence about him where if Michael P. Jordan kills somebody out of cold blood to do something that is to, you know, further his cause or, or keep him going, you're kind of like, you know what? I agree with Michael P. Jordan. Uh, Yeah. For the most part, there was a a time where he's like, I will go murder your, your wife and your kid to the point where I was like, damn bro. I'm like, I, I was kind of on your side until you like, well, were even involved with that, in like I was kind of like, you know, other innocent people, you're Michael B. Jordan. I'll forgive you for that later. Yeah, where if Will Defoe did that or someone like that, where like you had somebody that has okay. a menacing yeah, appearance to, to them. them and quality, I would be like, Oh, that, that it, like, that is creepy where I get what you're saying. It still is horrible, but almost it's like, okay, He's but justified I, in doing this. So, well, I agree with you to to an extent because when that that line of dialogue is delivered, I'd never believed that that character would actually go would through do, with it. Would, would do it. And I think that's pr- part of the problem, right? Because if you're trying to make this character be that guy who will, you know what? No, fuck you. I will do the dirty stuff to either get my way or get revenge or for the greater good kind of thing. Like not that wouldn't be necessarily for the greater good. That would be purely revenge. But like, I want to believe that the character will do that. Right. Like I want that Sicario moment where that literally happens and you're like, Holy shit. This or is even no country for old and men like, where like yeah, Anton Sugar, which I like, just watched the promise. And even after, you know, Llewellyn, he dead. has no reason to kill his wife. 
but yeah. he goes and does it anyway because that's how fucked up he is, right? And that's what makes Jigur such a great villain and such a great character. Where this John Kelly slash John Clark love Michael B. Jordan, but I never got that nastiness or that you know moral gray zone kind of you know thing from him. I just felt like he was a guy dead set on revenge. And, um, and, you know, still kind of working with the CIA, it wasn't necessarily like he's on his own. And even the way, and the movie just feels like it's kind of weirdly banking on making a franchise out of it. And I'm like, you can't put what gave you, you that know, idea all your, I mean, there's a fucking post credit scene and like, um, and it's, I didn't, I had no idea that there would be, cause I, I, the movie ended, I took my headphones out and Nevis was sitting with me on lunch, um, and I took my headphones out and then another scene comes on. I'm like, what? Why? <laughs> Why? And then I'm like, oh, God. Okay. And I get that Tom Clancy has this vast um, you know, amount of you know books and interconnectedness like we talked about on the, on the, the Ryan top. Verse, like, as it's called. Yeah. I, yeah. Right. Because I guess it all centers around Jack Ryan. But well, That's where it started, um, right? Like that's yeah. sort of like the main character. And obviously Jack Ryan has been played by, you know, Alec Baldwin in The Hunt for the Red October. 57 Harrison, different actors. <laughs> Harrison Ford in Clear and Present Danger and Patriot Games. Ben Affleck in The Sum of All Fears. Um, I was going to say uh, uh, Chris Pratt, but um, Chris Pr- Pine in Jack Ryan Shadow Recruit. And then uh, John Krasinski in the Jack Ryan series. So it's a character that keeps coming back and partly because it's a very kind of comforting, safe action series that your dad will love. And I mean, I think the one in that in the one movie in those in that series of films that is really, really good that I always do recommend is The Hunt for the Red October because this is John McTiernan who directed the film and he's coming off a Die Hard. Um, this is, you know, Sean Connery in the lead playing a Russian but with a Scottish accent. Um, it does some interesting things in terms of how it plays with narrative. Like, even the way that, like, you know, you have the Russian characters speaking Russian at the beginning and then the camera goes into their mouth and then comes back out and then they're speaking English. Like, that stuff is interesting to me and experimental. And I know, like, something like Valkyrie tried to do something similar, but it felt like, you know, at that point, it wasn't treating it as a series. It was just treating it as, like, a cool, like, you know, late 80s, post Cold War you know, action thriller, you know, and that's it. And that we got Sean Connery basically as the lead that kind of almost trumps Alec Baldwin, who is the the main character of the story. Yeah. Um, but then as the series went along, I mean, Paramount was always thinking, okay, well, this is the Jack Ryan series. So now we kind of have to, you know, play it like that. And and even the two films with Harrison Ford, you know, the ones that are directed by Philip Noyce, um, they're fine. They're just, yeah. they're not that good. It's just, it, it's another like, okay, Harrison Ford's in a big 90s action movie playing a character that's not as iconic as Han Solo or Indiana Jones, but it gives him something to do, you know, in between other movies. And that was kind of like a staple franchise for him then. But those two films are are fine. Like the main kind of thing that I remember from Patriot Games is that Sean Bean is the villain. And guess what? He dies in it. <laughs> like, you know, like there's not, there's not a lot there that's all that memorable or interesting. And like, the stuff with like Willem Dafoe's John Clark and that again is, is just kind of like, Oh, John Clark is like the, the, the bizarro Jack Ryan in that movie, you know, the, the, the anti version of, of Jack Ryan. And, and again, the book without remorse, the book is, is good. It's just, it's also 
it doesn't need to be as wrought as it is. And I do feel that like, okay, Taylor Sheridan and Will Staples who adapted it, they did do a pretty good job of streamlining it um, and making it more modern, modern, but, but just like kind of like cutting a lot of the fat out of it. And sort of like, you know, there's a lot of stuff where like, it feels like there's five or six subplots in without remorse. That's unnecessary. But there's another thing that we should also talk about before we wrap up. Um, I watched the screener version of this and thematically this movie is dark, but also visually speaking, this film is very dark. And sometimes the night sequences are really hard to tell what's going on unless you have, you know, a flashlight rolling on the ground uh, stylistically or, you know, uh, uh, sort of just like bullets firing and and things like that or RPGs. But um, how did you feel watching it? Because I know you had to watch or you wanted to watch the So not uh, to get too inside baseball, but um, I – turned on the screener that we got and I was like, I can't, I can't watch this. I'm like, I can't do it. Like I just, uh, not only was, I think the, the mix off because like, and our friend uh, Daniel Batista at the, at the movie podcast um, said the same thing where the dark sequences were just impossible to see, let alone the quality of the screener. And I, I hate complaining about this stuff because we are very privileged and very, I am very grateful for, you know, getting things early. So we're able to get reviews out, you know, on an embargo or on release date or just review films in general, get them for free, even though I subscribed to all these services anyway. Um, uh, so I never want to sound like I'm ungrateful or for, entitled. you know, or entitled, that You're being said, not entitled. Yeah, yeah. That being said, there are some times where I'm like, it will, it would do this movie a disservice, even though at that point I, I, you know, I, the movie, I watched a bit of it on the screener and I'm like, okay, this, I might not be, this might not be very good anyway, but I, I was like, I can't watch it like this because I just, I'm so distracted by you know, the, the compression, the pixelation of the image, the dark sequences were impossible to see. And the, the watermark on it was egregious, (laughs) like egregious. So I shut it off and I watched it on Amazon prime today in 4k and it looked fine. Like it looked good. Um, so it was night and day, um, haha of, uh, of, you know, being able to actually uh, being able to see, uh, the image and it looked good in 4k. I, I watched it with headphones on. So the sound was fine, but um, noise canceling headphones. Yeah, they are. Um, Michael not, B. Jordan, not over ear ones. No. I have the Apple earbud, uh, noise canceling ones, uh, AirPod pros. But that being said, uh, I thought it looked great or looked fine on, uh, 4k HDR on my, you know, good TV. So, uh, when I plugged in my laptop to watch the screener, it was just, I'm like, I can't, I'm so distracted. I can't focus on actually reviewing these, this movie. So I applaud you and Daniel who, who did watch it that way. But, um, you, uh, we should do a whole podcast one time on like, you know, how the pandemic, you know, changed, you know, screening movies for that but that'll be for like people in the industry but maybe people are interested in that but like well i also know um, like the film junk guys always talk about like when they go to when the drive-in opens and they go and watch a movie that's you know darkly lit it's it's almost difficult to see i saw godzilla king of the monsters that way and it was impossible yeah Yeah. and it's it's kind of hard to review that way so i i mean because you told me that i was more prepared and i kind of made sure to kind of constantly sort of adjust the screen sort of brightness and do what I could, but it still was very, very dark. 
Um, which I, I almost do appreciate that they kind of was just, they were just like, okay, let's, let's shoot this in, you know, darkness and pitch black and, and, and go for it. Like the, it is a style choice as well, but you know, in terms of, you know, watching the film the way that, you know, it's, it's given to us and, and sort of how it's presented, it does create this additional concern and criticism that when you're talking about the visuals, you want to make sure that you see what the filmmakers want you to see and not, you know, the technical problems that this platform is presenting. Yeah, I agree. Um, anyways, uh, the movie back to the movie. Um, uh, it's a two out of five. Also a two out of five. If you're a dad, probably a three out of five. <laughs> yeah. Automatic three out of five uh, dad. Movie. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Two out of five for me. Um, thank you all for listening. Um, if you like this, we have a couple other, well, we have many, many other reviews that you can check out right here on untitled movie reviews, but our most recent stuff uh, for this weekend, you can check out a review for um, things heard and seen, which is the Amanda Seyfried um, Netflix, yeah, Gothic horror thriller, domestic drama whatever it is uh go check out that review as well as the mitchells versus the machines another netflix film from um the sony pictures animation team the team that kind of worked on spider-verse with a similar kind of 2d 3d art style it's wonderful family comedy uh go check that out um both of those reviews are up on uh this channel as well as a slew of other ones if you'd be so kind drop us a review on this podcast it really helps us out uh, on untitled movie reviews and we have another show called untitled movie podcast uh which is more long form free flowing shooting the shit our last episode we talked about the oscars and our opinion on the show and the winners and things like that so it was our 90th draft go check that out uh follow us on all those social medias at untitled underscore cast and as always my name is matt Rohrbeck. you can follow me on uh, you can follow my work around the internet at untitledmoviepodcast.com and follow me on all those social medias at matt Rohrbeck. And I'm Eric March, and you can find more of my video reviews at rogerstv.com slash cinemascene and on the social medias at EM6211. Uh, until next time. Fantastic Four and Rainbow Six. Let's make it happen. Team up movie. <laughs> <laughs>